I you think uh, also, you know, Superman has a great uh, Rose Gallery, but it seems like the movies are so obsessed with Lex Luthor, who I don't find that interesting. That's another reason why it's hard for me to get into it. They've had so many opportunities to put great villains in there. And what do you got? You got Lex Luthor in the first one. I guess that kind of makes sense as it's the first. Uh, the sequel, yeah. which had General Zod, now that was a hell of a villain. And, you know, his two cohorts. Yes, he was. Three fucks it up big time. Robert Vaughn and a super, uh, supercomputer. I'm like, what? And Richard Pryor. Yes. Richard Pryor, who's good, then or then bad, then good. Uh, it was confusing. That movie's a mess. And then the yeah. fourth one is an epic disaster with Nuclear Man. And Lex Luthor comes well, back. Yeah, I know. Nuclear Man was a big joke. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Gene Hackman really loved playing the character of Lex Luthor. He wanted to come back and do it again. Although, sadly, if the movie was a disaster, yes. Yeah. I, great... It was a great personal touch, and it got Superman involved with, uh, you know, world politics and like disarming nuclear weapons. Yeah, that was a huge. I think that was a great. That was that was a good point. That was a good motive to it, get this movie going. It felt like a lot of people were trying to get the series, you know, uh, rolling, and, and things just kept getting in the way. You know, uh, the all kinds lost interest, so they sold it to Canon Pictures, and then Canon Pictures. Uh, realized they didn't have enough money, so it went from like I think a thirty million dollar budget to uh, an eighteen million dollar budget, you know, and that hurt badly. Uh, and then yeah. I think the rights again went back to the Saul Kinds. Then they were going to do a new one, and literally called the new Superman movie. Not a lot of people know this. Uh, they had ready to go a new Superman. That was literally the title. Uh, Christopher Reeve was going to be a creative consultant on it, and he was going to pick the new Superman. Thomas Ian Griffith was chosen to be Superman after he had uh, Christopher Reeve had seen him in a TV movie about Rock Hudson's life. Before this, oh, wow. Thomas Ian Griffith was the lunatically awful villain of Karate Kid 3. Do you remember Karate Kid 3? Oh my god, yeah. He's the one that... <laughs> like the whole movie, he's got the ponytail and everything, and you're just like, this guy is shit. Uh, oh god, yeah. Yeah, so he got fitted yeah, he's for the also costume. He's uh, Dark Carpenter's Vampires. Yes, uh, he got fitted for a costume, and there was a preliminary story written, I believe, and that was it. Nothing ever happened. The funding ran out. The Salkinds lost the rights, and Thomas Ian Griffith was let go. Based on that heat, though, he did sign a deal with New Line Cinema to do Excessive Force with Lance Henriksen, and it's actually pretty good. Oh yeah, no, I like that guy. He was, he was the most. He was an annoying villain in Part Three. Yeah. Of in the Karate Kid Three, I thought you were talking about the guy that wanted to beat Daniel and no, one no, of his no, titles. No. That guy doesn't really look like Superman, but the other one kind of does if you cut his hair. Uh, where was I at? Oh, yeah, and then the Superboy series, the the TV series, was really low budget, but there was a little more mythos. There's Mr. Mixelplex and some other classic villains in there. But it's just I, like, yeah. But ideally, during this time period, the only way that you're going to get Superman uh, looking the way he wanted him to look and get the villains from his long history in comics... Uh, and, and bring them to an audience is through animation. There's really no other way until just recently that you could do it without it looking like intensely stupid. Oh yeah, I know. And then when you see the and that was a great idea for the animated series. Now, I mean, you know, you there was ever... a huge success with Batman. What? I mean, there was a huge success with the Batman animated series, so they decided to bring, of course, the number one icon of DC Comics into the animated movie uh and into the animated series right now before this of course there was the 1930s it was the late 30s early 40s serials from the fleischer brothers have you ever seen those with george reeves no this is an animated series there's only i think 12 shorts 
No, oh God, yes, I do. Oh my God, I, used to, I even had a collection tape of them with Mighty Mouse on it, and yeah. there was one with a uh, with a uh, uh, Superman fighting a giant gorilla. Yes, they're like absolutely wonderful animation. I just watched them again, and they still look top notch. Like they would still pass for the same kind of quality we do on television now, with maybe a few tweaks. Like obviously the colors aren't as bright. And it's, it's dated with the, the look of the face and everything like that. But at the time, it was the most expensive thing out there. And it was worth every penny. And the Fleischer Brothers didn't even want to do it. But Paramount had the rights, so they forced it on them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. But, hey, you know, it turned out to be, honestly, I think, to me, a huge success. Yeah, I believe there was a 60s series, which I've never seen. But back then, the animation was pretty rough. It wasn't until Super Friends where... You got to see all these great characters interacting, and you know Superman, of course, being the lead. And there's Batman, Aquaman. I think Plastic Man might have been part of it for a little bit, and uh, yeah, it ended with and, superpowers, which was uh, really cool because they had Firestorm and Cyborg. Oh yeah, and also I think um, oh gosh, what's the giant Indian name? Uh, one Indian. I don't. <laughs> I swear from Harvey Birdman. I can't remember what he's called. Uh, Apache. Apache Chief. Thank you. That's what it is, yeah. Who actually does show up in uh, Young Justice. No kidding, really? Yeah, he's a younger, he's like a, one of the younger kids that Lex Luthor experiments on, and that's how he becomes a super superpower. Man, I gotta superpower. watch that show. I heard it's really good. I've never seen an episode it's, of Young Justice. Oh no, it's fantastic. Like, you'll be pissed off as to why it was canceled. Oh, well, you know, I had seen the Teen Titans cartoon, and I know people love that cartoon, but I was annoyed by it. So I just saw Young Justice, like, eh, I don't really, I, I don't need to watch it. And uh, You'd be surprised. I, I know, I regret it now, because I guess it's like the shit. And then Netflix is bringing it back or something? Yeah, Netflix brought back uh, two, there's both seasons are on Netflix. Uh, I'm hoping they get a third one going. Yeah, that's what I'm told, is that they, they've licensed the rights for a season three. Yes! Good. It needs to happen. Uh, the 88 series of Superman is actually pretty good. It's not well-remembered. It's very bright, very um, of its time. You, you can clearly see it. It's like, oh, yeah, this is the 80s. This is what animation looked like back then. But it wasn't until, like you were saying, the Batman series was so phenomenal. They're like, it's a no-brainer. Let's bring Superman back. And I remember him being on the cover of Entertainment Weekly in 1996, right before it premiered. And I was like, I got to buy this. I got to know what's going on. Even though I wasn't a huge Superman fan, I really got into the death of Superman uh, storyline. Did you ever read that? Yes, I did. It was it was pretty shocking from when I was younger. I hate the fact you that know, they watered like... down Doomsday. It should have been a one and done. You had to keep bringing them back over and over. Now there's like an army of Doomsdays or something. I'm just like, this is stupid. Doomsday clones that are easily broken and killed. And then, yeah, no, that's what they should have done. But, I mean, I'm glad they're actually bringing them into the live-action movie. Yeah. I don't think I've seen I, I've seen him into the Justice League movie. Uh, no, the Justice League cartoons. That's what I've seen him in. That's where I first saw him, like in uh, animated in actual animation. Other than that, they never did. They never actually dealt with him in the Superman animated series. They went with someone else that someone that really tested his character, like Mrs. Spicklick, Lobo, Lex Luthor, of course, and eventually Darkseid. There's, uh, I really like Brainiac. I like uh, Parasite, which is a that good kid. villain. Um, there, oh, Metallo is a great one too. Uh, but it does seem like you start to run out pretty quickly. Whereas Batman's villains are like, whew, do you have a book? 
because that's how much we're going to fill this up with his villains. You know, same thing with uh, Spider-Man. Superman just seems like he has about six really solid villains. Yeah, I know. Metallo, I thought, was definitely one you kind of felt sorry for. You know, this guy who wanted to have the powers and abilities of Superman and, of course, you know, being powered by Superman's only weakness. But at the same time, he was just upset because he could no longer, you know, he could no longer smell. He was no longer human. He was just really broken, and he wanted to go after Lex Luthor. Yeah, it's for creating him. Strange. It's uh, yeah, he's really. I think um, Malcolm McDowell did his voice. Am I wrong? No, you you're right. He did do that voice. Oh my god, yeah, no. The, oh, again, great voice casting. Like all the formula, all those elements that made animated series of Batman a huge success. They brought over to Superman. Uh, Tim Daly being fantastic, of course. Uh, I, I was a big fan because I was, at the time I was watching Wings all the time, and I thought he was fantastic as Superman. He really brings a lot of the everyday man, because a lot of people who had voiced Superman did this big bellowing, I'm Superman, and he just approached it like, <laughs> as a true leader, like an understanding, caring, with slight sense of humor, kind of, uh, even depreciating, self uh, dep sorry, self-deprecating uh, way of approaching things, even though he had, he was basically a god, you know, and yet, for some reason, he was, he wanted to be human so bad. Yes. He did. He wanted to be human so bad to the point where he would give up his own uh, superpowers just to, you know, have, you know, just have a normal life like with Lois Lane. It's just like in the plot of Superman 2. Yeah. Uh, if you watch the Richard Donner cut, oh my God. It it's is a really much better cut yeah, of the movie. Yeah. It's, it's a much better movie. You know, in oh, my okay. head, oh, you know, in my head, it will always be Christopher Reeve. I know there's Superman's before him. I know there's Superman's afterwards, but they're just, just nothing like him. Oh, of course, no. Uh, -uh. he had that. Yeah, that chin. He even put on muscle for the role. He was really skinny when he did the test. Yeah. And then he, you know, up a bit, put on some muscle. You know, was really tall. Had that chin. He portrayed every part of character that you know of of Superman that everyone loved. And, uh, I mean, honestly, when you watch Superman Returns by Brian Singer, it was like a huge tribute to Christopher Reeve. That's what he tried to go for. Yes, and Brandon Ralph also cripples it. There's a lot of things that cripple that movie, and we should discuss the Superman series, like the whole, every entry in further depth. But the problem is, it is it sticks too close to the original two. I feel like Brian Singer was afraid to go off in his own direction. It just feels like a constant homage, like a fan film. A very expensive fan film, but a fan film nonetheless. I thought it was still a huge success to me. I mean, just hearing John Williams' wonderful score, which immortalizes the you know, character Superman. Every time like every time you're reading a book or whenever you think of Superman, you can't help but hear John Williams' score. Uh, and then Nancy Brown as Lex Luthor. How do you feel? I I've always wanted to see Billy Zane as Lex Luthor. I will take voice work, but uh physically I wanna see Billy Zane as Lex Luthor. Oh yeah, no, Billy Zane would be perfect as Lex Luthor. That's just a little too typecasted though. Why? I mean, you know, everyone knows like Billy Zane could play that dark kind of brooding character if you've seen some of his like independent work and you know he's still handsome he's still like in great physical shape bald you know it's too typical for him plus oh. i'm not even sure yeah plus i'm not even sure if he still does acting i mean yeah he made an appearance in zoolander 2 but you know wait he was in scorpion king 3 which is direct video <laughs> that's actually not that bad of a movie. <laughs> i watched it and i was like oh okay barry bostwick is actually quite excellent in it or is it part four? Shit, I can't remember. Three or four. Brian, Barry Bosbick's in it. He just kills. Yeah. 
I mean, but honestly, though, I mean, Billy Zane, like, nowadays is just a little too old. And plus, they were think going along the same age range. Henry Cavill, who I think is definitely a perfect, that has the perfect look for Superman. I mean, the intense physical training he did just to get that, you know, that toned stomach yeah. for those scenes where he's shirtless. Like, he went on a strict diet, a strict routine, to the point where it was angering. And then after it was done, Zack Snyder gave him some pizza and a thing of ice, and a whole thing of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Henry Cavill, he he definitely it's not okay. It's a different Christopher Reeve. It's going off into another direction. It's going from what Zack Snyder wanted to see, what was really in the comic books. He's trying to bring that to life, and he did so with um, Man of Steel. But as far as Lex Luthor goes, I think. What they're trying to do, I, I, I don't get me wrong, I do have faith in Jesse Eisenberg. I think he'll kill the role. Hell, even Kevin Spacey and Michael Rosenbaum from the Smallville series, they even said, yeah, no, they like this guy is a great actor. He could definitely kill it. Uh, back to the cartoon real quick. Uh, the comic series had been rebooted in 1986 by uh, John Byrne. And this is right after Crisis on Infinite Earths had just reset the whole DC Universe. There was a different wow. approach to doing the series, and you feel a lot of that in this series. This big, hopeful, bright, uh, full of life, and you know, wild villains. It's it fits with Batman, but it's very different than Batman. And I think having those two together works very well. Did you watch the movie, the Superman and Batman animated movie? Yes, one where they finally teamed up. Oh my God, I was waiting forever to watch that. Yeah. And then I stayed up all night. You know, my parents let me. You know, I stayed up all night just, like, watching that movie. And we had, like, East and West channels. I had to see it again. <laughs> I was... I, I, honestly, of course, Clancy Brown was definitely, voice-wise, voice, voice wise, as perfect as Lex Luthor. And he has, like, you know, that dark, deep, searing, sinister voice. <laughs> and it really fit the character so well. I just... I mean, one more thing I wanted to say about Jesse Eisenberg. I think Jesse Eisenberg will definitely do... I think his is more like a younger, kind of edgier version of Lex Luthor, but with a little hint of Gene Hackman's like, uh, enthusiastic Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to play him the same as someone else would be, a, would be a mistake. I mean, Batman's played different every single time. Uh, mostly successful a few times, not so much. George Clooney. Um, <laughs> George Clooney. <laughs> Suck dick. <laughs> Uh, Adam West all over again. <laughs> with Superman, though, any of those characters you have to approach again or you just seem like a pale imitation. That's why I have a problem with Superman Returns because he's imitating Christopher Reeve and he's not being his own Superman. That's where it bugs me. But uh, with this series, though, I think Tim Daly approached it in a unique way and makes the series seem fresh. And, and of course, the wonderful writing and direction really helped. I don't think it's as good as Batman because it couldn't go that deep into the psyche. Uh, you know, oh, it's, no. it's kind of a danger zone sometimes for animation. Like, oh, is this meant for kids here? Uh, and it wasn't as successful, but it's still, it was on for four years. For an animated series, that's actually a pretty decent amount of time. And then, of course, it eventually branched into the Justice League, which is what every kid was waiting for. We wanted to see Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Flash, all of them join up into one. Yeah, I was 24 at the time, and I was insanely excited. There was a, literally a party at my house that night. And I'm like, I'm going upstairs to watch Justice League. <laughs> yeah, you can have your fun. Eat your pizza. I'm going to go watch this. I was so eagerly waiting. I did finish Justice League. I never finished Justice League Unlimited, and I really want to go back. It's on Netflix. I do not have Netflix right now. Remember, my internet sucks. That's true. I know. But it'll still be there. 
Okay, hopefully. Every time I get rid of something, I'm like, oh, I don't need this anymore. It's always on Netflix. Damn it! It's gone! Yeah, I know. Dude, it, like I said, it was very well done. Unlimited really brought in all the characters. Uh, the very first episode was about Green Arrow. Yeah, I actually, like the oddball. Like bringing him in. in the DC universe, uh, I do enjoy Green Lantern and the Flash quite a bit. But uh, of the big, what are, what are the big six, basically? Or big seven? There is... Um, Superman, Batman, Batman, Wonder Woman... Uh, Martian Manhunter, Hawkman, no. Aquaman. Hawkman is not that popular. Uh, Martian Manhunter, you can give or take, but he's always been part of the Justice League, so I'll accept that. Aquaman, Green Lantern, and Flash. Those are the big boys. I, I'm no longer interested in Batman. I am tired of him. I am bored. I'm more interested in what's going on in Nightwing's world, you know, Robin's world. Even that's getting a little tiresome. But as you dig deeper into the mythos, you got the C and D, uh, and then the really obscure characters popping up in Batman Brave and the Bold and Justice League Unlimited, and uh, Legends of Tomorrow, the live-action show, is really digging deep into the mythos, and that's what gets me excited. Yes, I know. That's what I like about uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, yeah, they're kind of just... not They're not really bringing anyone new into the scene. They're just, um, you know, just taking all the ki- all the side villains and characters from... Flash and Green Arrow. Right. I will say this about the the show Arrow. I mean, it's borrowing way too much from Batman. It's not as exciting as The Flash. The Flash is the one I'm really looking forward to every week. But a far, a, but aside what? from that, I mean, Arrow, it, it, it could be entertaining to watch, but uh, like I said, it's just, again, borrowing too much from Batman. They said they're supposed to be going in a lighter tone and a lighter direction, you know, making Oliver, you know, kind of the wisecracking Green Arrow that he's supposed to be. But it's really not. It's still getting way too dramatic. Well, it depends on whose approach you take. There has been times when, you know, Green Arrow's been light and funny. But if you look at the Mike Grell years, like during the the Longbow Hunter years, oh, pretty serious. Like with Prometheus. Yeah, Prometheus was like one of his villains, the one who uh, maimed uh, Speedy cut off his arm and the one who killed his son yeah well even before yeah that was that, pretty serious for that during the 80s mike grell took over and he made him like a, a serious hunter changed his costume no more gag arrows you know he was killing people and it was really dark and very sophisticated and it was one of i think dc was testing the ground to see if they could even pull off like vertigo you know the line vertigo of like the more adult comics yeah i think that's what they were first testing it with i was like well People over 18, are they going to accept this? And Green Arrow was a huge success for a while, and then it just it petered out once Mike Grell left and became mm. more of the standard DC Universe stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, honestly, yeah, I mean, but like I said, if you ever watch, you've watched all the show, right? Of what show? Uh, Arrow? Uh-uh. Only through season okay. two. Okay. Well, it's not only doing that, but it's borrowing, you know, he's getting involved with the League of Assassins, you know, Firefly, Royal Flesh Gang, all these Batman villains. Yeah. You know, they're just bringing them in. And no mention of Batman or Gotham. Yeah, I don't like, know. Um, we're getting a little off tangent here. I think we pretty much said everything okay. we we're going to say about the Superman animated series. Um, so this episode is a bit shorter than the Batman one. I get more excited talking about Batman than I do Superman. But uh, it's also True. a very, very good animated series. It's the best of the four. But still, go back and check out those 1940s uh, shorts. There's only 12 or 13 of them. Take an hour of your life. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, honestly, which episode did you think really tested uh, Superman the most in the animated series? 
Uh, the 96 series? Yes. Kind of like, what, what was one of your favorite episodes? Kind of like from uh, Batman. Uh, Batman, um, I really liked anything with Clayface or um, uh, Killer Croc. You know, something about their humanity being changed. You know, you, you felt sad for him. Mr. Freeze. Okay, Mr. Freeze episode. The very first one that Mr. Freeze showed up, uh, that is my favorite. And the movie's pretty fantastic, too. Sub-Zero. Oh, yeah, it was. I've Oh, God, I wanted to watch that so many for, like, the longest time when I saw it on... When I, when I saw that it was available on VHS. Yeah. But uh, what do you remember about the Superman one? Uh, that one is harder for me. I only ever watched the first season. I got distracted. This is when I was in college, and, and I was overloaded with work. Uh, but revisiting it, I still feel like the the very first Metallo episode is my favorite episode. Hmm. No, I, know, I, I have to agree with you. That was also one of my favorite episodes, too. And like I said, it was, again, wonderful performance by Malcolm McDowell. Really yeah. brought this character to life. I wish I could go back back and revisit a series. Uh, at some point, I will. But sometimes you find yourself overwhelmed with stuff, and it's hard. You can only grab like either a movie or a handful of stuff to watch to revisit and get a general idea. Right. It's like, oh yeah, that's what it was like. And there you go. So I do apologize, everybody. If we were to watch more episodes or get through a whole series, there would not be an episode every week. It would be an episode like once a month, and I just that doesn't right. work for me. Right. I, I, I will say, I think a close second to the Metallo one was uh, the Mrs. Spitlick one. <laughs> it was, oh, it was yeah. not, How do you say that anyway? Mr. Not only because it was really zany and out there. Mixer, Mixopolitic? Mrs. Spitlick. Mrs. Mrs. Spitlick, I think. I don't know. That's the closest I can come to it. But not only was it just wacky and out there and just, you know, really breaking, you know, the walls of reality in the Superman universe, but it was also voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> and I swear Gilbert played him in the Lois and Clark TV show with Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher. Am I wrong? I don't know, but I'll have to look that up. I mean, who else could be Mitz at Spitlick? <laughs> hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, he had really a wild and wacky character in order to pull it off. Of course, yes. And a comedian and with a funny voice like, you know, Gilbert Gottfried. You know what? Right. I, I, uh, I do remember the animated episode with him. I remember being really good. He was always a uh, complicated character because you had to find a new way every single time. It must have been hell for a writer. I was like, oh, shit. All right, what hasn't been done yet? Okay, how else would Superman trick him into saying his name? Sometimes they would show it, like, in the sky. He'd read it. Oh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, um, an airplane would go by and show it, or he'd see it in a mirror image. It would always be some weird way. And you're like, holy shit, how did you think of that? <laughs> I know. It's like you really have to think outside the box to try and get him to spit like to say his name. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So uh, that is what I, I have to say. Go, you go ahead. If you don't want to say about Superman, I'm cool with that because I got nothing else. I really thought, like, Man of Steel, uh, it, like, bring him back, uh, I think, to, like, go back to the beginning of Superman, you know, really change the design around, you know, bring uh some new ideas to the look and feel of Krypton and the new music score by um, Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, right. Really gave Superman a more of a powerful kind of thing that does kind of like make you, you know, feel goosebumps, kind of like the original did. Yeah, I don't know by what John Williams. he died, right? Oh, no, James Horner died. Yes, sadly. <gasps> but also, I mean, the way it, um, the way they portrayed the Kryptonians is, you know, like, Outlanders kind of almost fascist, like really using up the resources of their planet instead of just, you know, the sun turning red and exploding, you know, which seemed a little bit more um, 
bit more uh, relative, relative to you know what we as humans ourselves are doing to our you know as far as pollution goes and using up what we have and yeah. Well, Jarrell is a badass in this one, whereas you know he's Marlon Brown. He's just like I said, my only son. That's the worst. That's more like Abe Vagoda. Um, <laughs> let me put some cotton in my mouth. I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it, Marlon Brando. Can you? I, I sent my I sent my only son. I sent my only son out to another habitable planet where he will not die. He will survive, and all people will live on. <laughs> on this yeah, no, day, I love how come to me and ask this favor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Plus, yes, and Russell Crowe really did approach this role very seriously. And even when uh, asked about it on Twitter, it's like, where did you get your training for this particular part? Russell Crowe's response? Krypton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Marty, I, oh, I sent my only son to Earth. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, it gave a little bit more depth and development to the character of Jarrell. We actually knew what Jarrell was and yeah. like. And then, of course, there was the character of Zod, too. You can't help but feel somewhat sympathetic to his movement. Although it was extremely fascist and, you know, militaristic and asshole-wise. But he was trying to save his people. He wasn't doing that of revenge against Jor-El, no. He just wanted to preserve Krypton. Yeah. And then, of course, Superman's birth being so unique, because he was the first natural birth in hundreds and hundreds of years. Which also gave, I think, oh, of course, which made, well, damn it, I'm repeating myself. I already just (laughs) said it made Superman more unique. And then... You know, again, with Henry Cavill being cast, you know, he had that perfect look, the chin, the build, everything. He portrayed this character wonderfully. And then, of course, in the end of Man of Steel, when he kills Zod, you know, Superman was never supposed to kill. But I think this is a step. This is what, I think this is what Zack Snyder actually said. Like, this is a stepping stone to him never to kill again. Because after he killed Zod, you know, he just screamed in that fit of rage and sadness because he can't believe he actually had to kill. He never wanted to. He had no choice. Otherwise, Zod would have killed those people. And enough people have already died. <laughs> so I think it's definitely giving more of a human touch to um, Superman. Yeah, I don't know. I still am on the wire with this Man of Steel. It's so insanely dark. Um, I believe we have hit the half-hour point. So it is time for our sponsor. Just letting you know that recently they discovered a lost recipe by Charles Dickens, of all people. And it's cold out there, everybody. Try out his recipe for hot cider. So, on a cold day, get a hot dick and cider. And, hold on a second. D- uh, oh, dude, I just did I just say hot dick and cider? I just said again, dick and cider. Oh, how do I say this word? Doesn't sound filthy. Dickens cider. Dick and cider. No shit. Um, maybe I should stop talking. Yes, you should. <laughs> There's no way of saying it. It's oh. it's already it already went there. I'm gonna have it to went say there right it. before you said it. I'm going to have to say hey, wait, Charles there. Dickens Cider brand. Dickens Cider. D- shit. I- I'm going to stop. Seriously, i got to stop. We're good. Uh, Just drink some good cider. It's yeah, delicious. drink cider happens to be made from an old recipe by Charles Dickens. There. That's how we say it without getting in trouble. Fuck. Oh. All right. <laughs> uh, everybody, check us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes. Uh, Jacob, thank you for carrying this episode. Everybody, if you happen to see that I was a little bit... Um, uh, unattentive at a couple moments. I'm cooking a pizza and the cheese was boiling over into the heating. Look, it kind of started a fire, so I apologize for walking away. It was terrifying and I didn't want to stop Jacob from talking. So, got it. My bad.
to be quite honest, I can't wait to see what they'll do with the within the next movie, Batman versus Superman, especially with Superman's impact on the world. Yeah, and are, how he actually would be. Are they going to ever bring it back to animation again, or are they done? Are they just focused solely on the live action? Because that's where the big money is, kids. Yes, I mean they still work on animation. They did that one um, called Justice League: Gods and Monsters, which was like an alternate universe. True. I think it was by Bruce Tim. Who's those guys? Like, those two guys, man, really know how to carry this. Even they've been carrying it for twenty five years now. The the Warner Brothers guys, period, have done an amazing job. Whereas you look at some of the Marvel animation, you're like, Bleh. Disney, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And here's what I'll say this about um about the animated movies. Yes, they're really adapting, like you know, strongly from the comic books. That's where they trump Disney right now because Disney's just focusing on all the live action movies and but um. Also, that uh, Gods and Monsters uh, was an original idea that he had kicking around for 10 years. And I thought, I mean, I still haven't seen it yet. I've yet to see it, but there's nothing but great reviews. Yeah. I want to see one of two things. And I'll take both. Uh, I want to see a Justice Society of America animated movie or series. But I also want to see a version of Justice League when it was kind of like the goofball version after Crisis where everything kind of like, who do we have? We have Batman. We have uh, Shazam. Not Shazam. Um, Captain Marvel. Uh, and then basically it's Blue Beetle, uh, Booster Gold. Uh, I think um, Power Girl was in there. And there's lots of boob jokes and Fire and Ice. There's just all sorts of bonkers weird characters bouncing off each other. guy gardner being the worst well he's not a bad warrior but he's a jackass uh one of the worst green lanterns ever when it comes to attitude <laughs> and that bold i never I, I i really got there tell I... you about my roommate brian who uh he looked exactly like guy gardner he had the same skin same uh hair color same bowl cut it was ridiculous oh wow no, I did not. You have to tell me this another time. I will show you a picture. You're like, holy shit, your roommate was Guy Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, oh, yeah, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, that would be some great comedic action right there. Oh, yeah, just those two. And what were they talking about? Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk wanted to do them? Oh, hell yeah. That'd be perfect. I mean, there's already they already have the chemistry. They're on Firefly and Serenity. Come on. I say that they should switch the obvious. I think that Alan should play Booster Gold. And I think Nathan should play um, uh, Blue Beetle because Blue Beetle. Uh, Ted Kord, that version of Blue Beetle, there was a period where he wasn't a hero anymore, that he was just kind of resting on his laurels, retired and doing all his like technology work for big bucks, and he had put on a bunch of weight, and then he had to be a hero again, but he couldn't do it as well because he had a beer belly. <laughs> and then eventually as the show progresses you see nathan fillion getting back into shape <laughs> yes which he needs oh. to do anyway because nathan is out of shape castle made him soft and then booster gold if i remember correctly he lost all of his money like he had used his future uh, abilities to gain a bunch of cash and then uh you know i guess eventually wore out so he just became like a blue collar <laughs> uh it was more like Booster Blue, where he was just basically a broke working guy just trying to pay the bills as a superhero. <laughs> oh, one more thing. Jeff Johns, he's a creative producer on the DC films. Yeah. So you definitely know they're going to do real good. I mean, he I'm pretty sure visually he and Zack Snyder see eye to eye. Well, Jeff Loeb and... is part of it too, and Jeff Loeb has played both sides. He's done movies, he's done the comics, and I think he can really help out. Oh, for sure. And also... 
Oh, shoot. Yeah, Jeff Jones. He was actually, you know who uh, his mentor was? Who yeah, his protege Goddard, was? Right? Yes, exactly. So he definitely has a great way of storytelling. He learned from, like, one of the best directors in Hollywood. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just feel like uh, either it's Batman versus Superman is going to be the biggest thing in the world, or a lot of people are just going to be like, oh, well, well, all right. So we'll see what happens. And if you guys are regular listeners, you'll know that me and Jacob do another show together. Well, sort of do it. I, I share it with other hosts. It's called Video Night, where we discuss movies. And we are going to discuss Batman and Superman when it comes out here in a few weeks. So if you like, you know, what we do here, check out Video Night. And if you like what we do here and you haven't liked it, go to Facebook right now. What are you doing? Like uh, Back in Tunes. And I want to say this to everybody. We broke our records last month. I mean, we went way above it. I have never seen such a huge jump. Uh, We doubled, literally doubled our numbers. So we had a total of 10 downloads last month. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, we hit uh, over 2,000 downloads last month, and um, I thank you, everybody, Winning. so much for all the love. I know. Great. Winning. Love it. <laughs> oh, one more thing. Uh, Dark Knight's time, it's going to be an 151 minutes. Why do people care about that? I don't give a shit how long it is. If the story holds, fine. But if it's too long, I'll exactly. be like, oh, shit, time to look at my watch, and oh, I want to go. Let's end this. Wrap it up. Yeah, I know. I mean, hey, you know, shoot, people stuck around for the Dark Knight Rises. That was over two. That was like two and a half hours that long. Was. I think Dark Same Knight with Rises the... is severely underrated. Everybody's like, it movie shit. Uh, but I Tom Hardy was... was the best physical portrayal of Bane I've yes, ever seen. But people think that Bane sounds ridiculous. They mock him all the time. Oh. Yes. Oh, you think darkness is your honor? I have fun in it. Yes. <laughs> you, you came back to die with your city. I wonder if you can pick up the farts when we're talking. I'm, I ripped a couple. I wonder if you can pick that up. People at home going, did he just toot? Or is there an audio distortion? No, because they definitely would have picked mine up. Mine was a fucking cannon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we've overstayed our welcome, everybody. This is Michael saying, <laughs> be excellent to each other. Jacob, send those boys out. And girls. And whatevers. Not. Or, we just love people. Just shit. Yeah, just shit, I don't know where shit. I was going with that. I saw like a dipshit. Go ahead, Jacob. I'm walking shut, away. Shut the fuck up! I'm sorry. <laughs> Alright, namaste and good luck, everyone. Have a good night. Alright everybody, welcome to Back in Tunes. That was our half-assed attempt to do the Superman theme song. And uh, I'm your host, Michael, who's going horse now. And my co-host, what's up, Jacob? <laughs> I got that bug out of my throat. I'm doing quite dandy. How about you, sir? Oh, I don't know. It's been a fun day. We went too long with our Batman episode last time, the animated series discussion of 1992 to, what was it, 98, when it got replaced with Batman Beyond. So we never actually got to Superman, the animated series. So we are going to do it now. And then the next episode I'm doing with a different guest, a special guest, we are going to be discussing Batman Beyond. So we're just kind of keeping it in this vein the whole month. And, uh... While we're at it, I guess we should just do the proper Superman animated series intro. Here we go, jerks. Oh, that's much better than what we were doing. 
All right, everybody. I'll let that play in the background while we talk. Um, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So, how do you feel about Superman in general? Oh, my God. Oh, well, he's definitely, like, again, like Batman, an American icon. He was there first. I mean, turning him into this, you know, great hero, you know, like the story of Moses, you know, last of his kind, you know, to become our savior, drifting to an, another world, you know, that kind of biblical sense, which has a touch to it. But I don't really care for much for that. I like how pretty much what he can do and how he's been tested and been coming back after getting hit again and again. Yeah, he's supposedly a god, but there's, you know, he's been killed before. Yeah, I remember that. So, and he's been able to Sorry, come back. Oh, yeah. And he's been able to bounce back and hit harder. And plus, he was the very first superhero, really, that got everything going. I have trouble with Superman. Actually, I have a problem with godlike or king-like characters. I have trouble with Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Submariner, Thor. You know, people... I guess that are, would be considered not humans, or not earthlings, or... I don't know how you really want to say it. Metahumans. What's that? Metahumans. Yeah, well, I have a problem with royalty, like uh, Shakespearean-style stuff. That's what Thor has on, uh, you know, and under uh, underwater stuff I can't connect to. I'm more of a city guy. You know, guys that are just normal Joes, or they have some light powers where they're fighting against, you know, uh, just like normal criminals. Well, not normal criminals, but non-superhero criminals. How do I say it? You know, uh, like, the Joker doesn't have really any meta powers. Two-Face doesn't have any, like, uh, insane powers. If they do, it's usually technology-based. Like with Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. I love his rogue gallery. So, you know, Dr. Octopus is all technology-based. Hobgoblin, stuff like that. I really get into that. And when it comes to things like yeah. Galactus and uh, Darkseed, I'm just like, uh, I got nothing. I know. I mean, Darkseid, I mean, he's pretty much, actually, I think, was based off Hitler. He honestly was there first before Thanos. This is true. Uh, 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 and uh, he's a kind of a character that, if you're a huge DC fan, he's serious. But Thanos has always been the kind where, like, anybody who read comics knew who Thanos was. I don't think Darkseid is as well known. Well, it, I mean, if you've read the Justice League, which I'm sure everyone has and knows of, then, yeah, everyone knows who Darkseid would be. I mean, he is the biggest is it villain. Dark side or is it dark uh, I've been saying it wrong this whole time. Dark side. Oh shit. Yes, you've been saying it wrong. Never. I don't blame you. I mean, it's kind of it's spelled like that. I you think uh, oh. also, you know, Superman has a great uh, rose gallery, but it seems like the movies are so obsessed with Lex Luthor, who I don't find that interesting. That's another reason why it's hard for me to get into it. They've had so many opportunities to put great villains in there, and what do you got? You got Lex Luthor in the first one. I guess that kind of makes sense as it's the first. Uh, the sequel, yeah. which had General Zod, now that was a hell of a villain. And, you know, his two cohorts. Yes, he was. Three fucks it up big time. Robert Vaughn and a supercomputer. Uh, super I'm like, what? And Richard Pryor. Yes. Richard Pryor, who's good, then or then bad, then good. Uh, it was confusing. That movie's a mess. And then the yeah. fourth one is an epic disaster with Nuclear Man. And Lex Luthor comes awesome. back. Yeah, I know. Nuclear Man was a big joke. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Gene Hackman really loved playing the character of Lex Luthor. He wanted to come back and do it again. Although, sadly, if the movie was a disaster, yes. Yeah. I, great. It was a great personal touch, and it got Superman involved with, uh, you know, world politics, and, like disarming nuclear weapons. Yeah. That was a huge—I think that was a great—that was, that was a good point. That was a good motive to get this movie going. It felt like a lot of people were trying to get the series, you know— uh, rolling and, and things just kept getting in the way. You know, uh, the Salt Kinds lost interest, so they sold it to Canon Pictures, and then Canon Pictures 
uh, realized they didn't have enough money, so it went from like I think a thirty million dollar budget to uh, an eighteen million dollar budget, you know, and that hurt badly. Uh, and then yeah. I think the rights again went back to the Saul kinds. And then they were going to do a new one, and literally called the new Superman movie. Not a lot of people know this. Uh, they had ready to go a new Superman. That was literally the title. Uh, Christopher Reeve was going to be a creative consultant on it, and he was going to pick the new Superman. Thomas Ian Griffith was chosen to be Superman after he had uh, Christopher Reeve had seen him in a TV movie about Rock Hudson's life. Before this, oh, wow. Thomas Ian Griffith was the lunatically awful villain of Karate Kid 3. Do you remember Karate Kid 3? Oh my god, yes. He's the one that... <laughs> like the whole movie, he's got the ponytail and everything, and you're just like, this guy is shit. Uh, oh god, yes. Yeah, so he got fitted yeah, for the costume. He's uh, also Dark Carpenter's Vampires. Yes, uh, he got fitted for a costume, and there was a preliminary story written, I believe, and that was it. Nothing ever happened. The funding ran out. The Salkinds lost the rights, and Thomas Ian Griffith was let go. Based on that heat, though, he didn't sign a deal with New Line Cinema to do Excessive Force with Lance Henriksen, and it's actually pretty good. Oh yeah, no, I like that guy. He was, he was the most. He was an annoying villain in Part Three. Yeah. Of in the Karate Kid Three, I thought you talked about the guy that wanted to beat Daniel in no, one no, of his no. titles. That guy doesn't really look like Superman, but the other one kind of does if you cut his hair. Uh, where was I at? Oh, yeah, and then the Superboy series, the, the TV series, was really low budget, but there was a little more mythos. There was Mr. Mixoplex and some other classic villains in there. But it's just I, like, yeah. But ideally, during this time period, the only way that you're going to get Superman uh, looking the way he wanted him to look and get the villains from his long history in comics... Uh, and, and bring them to an audience is through animation. There's really no other way until just recently that you could do it without it looking like intensely stupid. Oh yeah, I know. And then when you see the and that was a great idea for the animated series. Now, I mean, you know, you there was ever... a huge success with Batman. What? I mean, there was a huge success with the Batman animated series, so they decided to bring, of course, the one icon of DC Comics into the animated movie uh and into the animated series right now before this of course there was the 1930s it was the late 30s early 40s serials from the fleischer brothers have you ever seen those with george reeves no this is an animated series there's only i think 12 shorts no oh god yes i dude oh my god i I even had a collection tape of them with mighty mouse on it and one with uh with uh, uh superman fighting a giant gorilla Yes, they're like absolutely King Kong. wonderful animation. I just watched them again, and they still look top-notch. Like, they would still pass for the same kind of quality we do on television now with maybe a few tweaks. Like, obviously, the colors aren't as bright, and it's it's dated with the, the look of the face and everything like that. But at the time, it was the most expensive thing out there, and it was worth every penny. And the Fleischer Brothers didn't even want to do it, but Paramount had the rights, so they forced it on them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. But, hey, you know, it turned out to be, honestly, I think, to me, a huge success. Yeah, I believe there was a 60s series, which I've never seen, but back then the animation was pretty rough. It wasn't until Super Friends where you got to see all these great characters interacting and, you know, Superman, of course, being the lead. There's Batman, Aquaman. I think Plastic Man might have been part of it for a little bit. And uh, yeah, it ended with and... Superpowers, which was uh, really cool because they had Firestorm and Cyborg. Oh, yeah, and also, I think, um, oh, gosh, what's the giant Indian name? Uh, one Indian. I don't, I swear from Harvey Birdman, I can't remember what he's called. Uh, Apache. Apache Chief, thank you. That's what it is, yeah. 
who actually does show up in uh, Young Justice. No kidding, really? Yeah, he's a younger. He's like a one of the younger kids that Lex Luthor experiments on, and that's how he becomes a super superpower. Man, I gotta watch that show. I heard it's really good. I've never seen an episode it's, of Young Justice. Oh no, it's fantastic! Like you'll be pissed off as to why it was canceled. Oh well, you know I had seen the Teen Titans cartoon, and I know people love that cartoon, but I was annoyed by it. So I just saw Young Justice. Like, eh, I don't really, I, I don't need to watch it. And, uh, You'd be surprised. I, I know. I regret it now because I guess it's like the shit. And then Netflix is bringing it back or something. Yeah, Netflix brought brought back uh, two. There's both seasons. They're on Netflix. Uh, I'm hoping they get a third one going. Yeah, that's what I'm told is that they they've licensed the rights for a season three. Yes, good. It needs to happen. Uh, the '88 series of Superman is actually pretty good. It's not well remembered. It's very bright. Very. Um, of its time, you you can clearly see it's like, oh yeah, this is the 80s, this is what animation looked like back then. But it wasn't until, like you were saying, the Batman series was so phenomenal that like, it's a no-brainer, let's bring Superman back. And I remember him being on the cover of Entertainment Weekly in 1996, right before it premiered, and I was like, I gotta buy this, I gotta know what's going on. Even though I wasn't a huge Superman fan, I really got into the death of Superman uh, storyline. Did you ever read that? Yes, I did. It was it was pretty shocking from when I was younger. I hate the fact you that know, they watered like, down Doomsday. It should have been a one and done. You had to keep bringing them back over and over. Now there's like an army of Doomsdays or something. I'm just like, this is stupid. Doomsday clones that are easily broken and killed. And then, yeah, no, that, that's what they should have done. But, I mean, I'm glad they're actually bringing them into the live-action movie. Yeah. I don't think I've seen... I've, I've seen them into the Justice League movie. Uh, no, the Justice League cartoons. That's what I've seen them in. That's where I first saw him, like in uh, animated in actual animation. Other than that, they never did. They never actually dealt with him in the Superman animated series. They went with someone else that someone that really tested his character, like Mrs. Spicklick, Lobo, Lex Luthor, of course, and eventually Darkseid. There's uh, I really like Brainiac. I like uh, Parasite, which is a that good villain. Um, there, oh, Metallo is a great one too. Uh, but it does seem like you start to run out pretty quickly, whereas Batman's villains are like, whew, do you have a book? Because that's how much we're going to fill this up with his villains. You know, same thing with uh, Spider-Man. Superman just seems like he has about six really solid villains. Yeah, I know. Metallo, I thought, was definitely one you kind of felt sorry for. You know, this guy who wanted to have the powers and abilities of Superman and, of course, you know, being powered by Superman's only weakness. But at the same time, he was just, Upset because he could no longer, you know, he could no longer smell. He was no longer human. He was just really broken, and he wanted to go after Lex Luthor. Yeah, it's for creating him. Strange. It's uh, yeah, he's really. I think um, Malcolm McDowell did his voice. Am I wrong? No, you you're right. He did do that voice. Oh my god, yeah, no. The, oh, again, great voice casting. Like all the formula, all those elements that made animated series of Batman a huge success. They brought over to Superman. Uh, Tim Daly being fantastic, of course. Uh, I was a big fan because I was, at the time I was watching Wings all the time, and I thought he was fantastic as Superman. He really brings a lot of the everyday man. Because a lot of people who had voiced Superman did this big bellowing, I'm Superman. And he just approached it like, <laughs> as a true leader, like an understanding, caring, with slight sense of humor, kind of uh, even depreciating, self uh, dep- sorry, self-deprecating. Uh, way of approaching things even though he had he was basically a god you know and yet for some reason he was he wanted to be human so bad yes 
He did. He wanted to be human so bad to the point where he would give up his own uh, superpowers just to, you know, have, you know, just have a normal life like with Lois Lane. It's just like in the plot of Superman 2. Yeah. Uh, if you watch the Richard Donner cut, oh my god. It it's is a really much better cut yeah, of the movie. Yeah. It, it's a much better movie. You know, in, oh, my okay. head, oh, you know, in my head, it will always be Christopher Reeve. I know there's Superman's before him, I know there's Superman's afterwards, but they're just, just nothing like him. Oh, of course, no. Uh-uh. He had that he had that chin. He even put on muscle for the role. He was really skinny when he did the test. Yeah. And then he, you know, up a bit, put on some muscle, you know, was really tall, had that chin. He portrayed every part of character that, you know, of of Superman that everyone loved. And, uh, I mean, honestly, when you watch Superman Returns by Brian Singer, it was like a huge tribute to Christopher Reeve. That's what he tried to go for. Yes, and Brandon that Ralph, also I cripples it. There's a lot of things that cripple that movie, and we should discuss the Superman series, like the whole, every entry in further depth. But the problem is it, is it sticks too close to the original two. I feel like Brian Singer was afraid to go off in his own direction. It just feels like a constant homage, like a fan film. A very expensive fan film, but a fan film nonetheless. I thought it was still a huge success to me. I mean, just hearing John Williams' wonderful score, which immortalizes the, you know, character Superman. Every time, like, every time you're reading a book or whenever you think of Superman, you can't help but hear John Williams' score. Uh, and then... Clancy man- Brown as Lex Luthor. How do you feel? I, I, I've always wanted to see Billy Zane as Lex Luthor. I will take voice work, but uh, physically, I want to see Billy Zane as Lex Luthor. Oh, yeah, no, Billy Zane would be perfect as Lex Luthor. That's just a little too typecasted, though. Why? I mean, you know, everyone knows, like, Billy Zane could play that dark, kind of brooding character. If you've seen some of his, like, independent work. And, you know, he's still handsome. He's still, like, in great physical shape, bald. You know, it's too typical for him. Plus, I'm not even sure. Yeah. Plus, I'm not even sure if he still does acting. I mean, yeah, he made an appearance in Zoolander 2, but, you know... Wait, he was in Scorpion King 3, which is directed video. <laughs> That's actually not that bad of a movie. <laughs> I watched it and I was like, oh, okay. Barry Bostwick is actually quite excellent in it. Or is it part four? Shit, I can't remember. So three or four. Brian, Barry Bostwick's in it and he just kills. Yeah. I mean, but honestly, though, I mean, Billy Zane, like, nowadays is just a little too old. And plus, everything going along the same age range. Henry Cavill, who I think is definitely a perfect that has the perfect look for Superman. I mean, the intense physical training he did just to get that, you know, that toned stomach yeah. for those scenes where he's shirtless. Like, he went on a strict diet, a strict routine, to the point where it was angering. And then after it was done, Zack Snyder gave him some pizza and a thing of ice, and a whole thing of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Henry Cavill, I, he, he definitely, it's not, okay, it's a different Christopher Reeve. It's going off into another direction. It's going from what Zack Snyder wanted to see, what was really in the comic books. He's trying to bring that to life, and he did so with um, Man of Steel. But as far as Lex Luthor goes, I think what they're trying to do I, – I, I, don't get me wrong. I do have faith in Jesse Eisenberg. I think he'll kill the role. Hell, even Kevin Spacey and Michael Rosenbaum from the Smallville series, they even said, yeah, no, they like this guy is a great actor. He could definitely kill it. Uh Back to the cartoon real quick. Uh, the comic series had been rebooted in 1986 by uh, John Byrne. And this is right after Crisis on Infinite Earths had just reset the whole DC universe. There was a different oh. approach to doing the series. And you feel a lot of that in this series. This big, hopeful, bright, 
uh, full of life and you know wild villains. It's it fits with Batman, but it's very different than Batman. And I think having those two together works very well. Did you watch the movie, the Superman and Batman animated movie? Yes, one where they finally teamed up. Oh my god, I was waiting forever to watch that. Yeah. And then I stayed up all night. You know, my parents let me. You know, I stayed up all night just like watching that movie. And we had like East and West channels. I had to see it again. <laughs> I was. Like, I, honestly, of course, Clancy Brown was definitely voice voice wise is perfect as Lex Luthor. And he has that you know that dark, deep, searing, sinister voice. <laughs> and it really fit the character so well. I just. I mean, one more thing I wanted to say about Jesse Eisenberg. I think Jesse Eisenberg will definitely do... I think his is more like a younger, kind of edgier version of Lex Luthor, but with a little hint of Gene Hackman's like uh, ex- enthusiastic Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to play him the same as someone else would be a, would be a mistake. I mean, Batman's played different every single time. Uh, mostly successful a few times, not so much. George Clooney. Um, <laughs> George Clooney. <laughs> Suck dick. <laughs> Uh, Adam West all over again. <laughs> with Superman, though, any of those characters you have to approach again or you just seem like a pale imitation. That's why I have a problem with Superman Returns because he's imitating Christopher Reeve and he's not being his own Superman. That's where it bugs me. But uh, with this series, though, I think Tim Daly approached it in a unique way and makes the series seem fresh. And, and of course, the wonderful writing and direction really helped. I don't think it's as good as Batman because it couldn't go that deep into the psyche. Uh, you know, oh, it's, no. it's kind of a danger zone sometimes for animation. Like, oh, is this meant for kids here? <laughs> uh, and it wasn't as successful, but it's still, it was on for four years. For an animated series, that's actually a pretty decent amount of time. And then, of course, it eventually branched into the Justice League, which is what every kid was waiting for. We wanted to see Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Flash, all of them join up into one. Yeah, I was 24 at the time, and I was insanely excited. There was a, literally a party at my house that night. I'm like, I'm going upstairs to watch Justice League. <laughs> yeah, you can have your fun. Eat your pizza. I'm going to go watch this. I was so eagerly waiting. I did finish Justice League. I never finished Justice League Unlimited, and I really want to go back. It's on Netflix. I do not have Netflix right now. Remember, my internet sucks. That's true. I know. But it'll still be there. Okay, hopefully. Every time I get rid of something, I'm like, oh, I don't need this anymore. It's always on Netflix. Damn it! It's gone! Yeah, I know. Dude, it, like I said, it was really well done. Unlimited really brought in all the characters. Uh, the very first episode was about Green Arrow. Yeah, I actually, like the oddball. Like him in-, in the DC universe, uh, I do enjoy Green Lantern and The Flash quite a bit. But uh, of the big, what are, what are the big six, basically, or big seven? There is... Um, Superman, Bat- Batman, Wonder Woman... Uh, Martian Manhunter, Hawkman, no. Aquaman. Hawkman is not that popular. Uh, Martian Manhunter, you can give or take, but he's always been part of the Justice League, so I'll accept that. Aquaman, Green Lantern, and Flash. Those are the big boys. I, I'm no longer interested in Batman. I am tired of him. I am bored. I'm more interested in what's going on in Nightwing's world, you know, Robin's world. Even that's getting a little tiresome. But as you dig deeper into the mythos, you got the C and D, uh, and then the really obscure characters popping up in Batman Brave and the Bold and Justice League Unlimited. And uh, Legends of Tomorrow, the live-action show, is really digging deep into the mythos, and that's what gets me excited. Yes, I know. That's what I like about uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, yeah, they're kind of just not they're not really bringing anyone new into the scene. They're just um, you know just taking all the ki- all the side villains and characters from flash and green arrow right i will say this about the great the show arrow i mean 
it's borrowing way too much from Batman. It's not as exciting as The Flash. The Flash is the one I'm really looking forward to every week. But a far, a, but aside what? from that, I mean, Arrow, it, it, it could be entertaining to watch, but uh, like I said, it's just, again, borrowing too much from Batman. They said they're supposed to be going in a lighter tone and a lighter direction, you know, making Oliver, you know, the kind of the wisecracking Green Arrow that he's supposed to be. But it's really not. It's still getting way too dramatic. Well, it depends on whose approach you take. There has been times when, you know, Green Arrow's been light and funny, but if you look at the Mike Grell years, like during the the Longbow Hunter years, oh, pretty serious. like with Prometheus. Yeah, Prometheus was like one of his villains, the one who uh, maimed uh, Speedy, cut off his arm, and the one who killed his son. Yeah, well, even before that. Yeah, that was that, pretty serious. Before that, during the 80s, Mike Grell took over, and he made him like a, a serious hunter, changed his costume, no more gag arrows. You know, he was killing people. And it was really dark and very sophisticated. And it was one of, I think DC was testing the ground to see if they could even pull off, like, Vertigo. You know, the line Vertigo of, like, the more adult comics. Yeah. I think that's what they were first testing it with. I was like, well, people over 18, are they going to accept this? And Green Arrow was a huge success for a while. And then it just, it petered out once Mike Grell left and became mm. more of the standard DC Universe stuff. Right. Yeah, like I said, honest. Yeah, I mean, but like I said, if you ever watch, you've watched all the show, right? Of what show? Uh, Arrow. Uh uh-uh. uh Only through season okay. two. Okay. Well, it's not only doing that, but it's borrowing. You know, he's getting involved with the League of Assassins. You know, Firefly, Royal Flesh Gang, all these Batman villains. Yeah. You know, they're just bringing them, in. and no mention of Batman or Gotham. Yeah, I don't like, know. Ever. Um. We're getting a little off tangent here. I think we pretty much said everything okay. we're going to say about the Superman animated series. Um, so this episode is a bit shorter than the Batman one. I get more excited talking about Batman than I do Superman. But uh, it's also True. a very, very good animated series. It's the best of the four. But still, go back and check out those 1940s uh, shorts. There's only 12 or 13 of them. Take an hour of your life. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, honestly, which episode did you think really tested uh Superman the most in the animated series? Uh, the 96 series? Yes. Kind of like, what, what was one of your favorite episodes? Kind of like from uh, Batman. Uh, Batman, um, I really liked anything with Clayface or um, uh, Killer Croc. You know, something about their humanity being changed. You know, you, you felt sad from Mr. Freeze. Okay, Mr. Freeze episode. The very first one that Mr. Freeze showed up, uh, that is my favorite. And the movie's pretty fantastic too. Sub Zero. Oh yeah, it was. I've been, oh god, I wanted to watch that so many for like the longest time when I saw it on when I when I saw that it was available on VHS. Yeah. But oh, what do you remember about the Superman one? Uh, that one is harder for me. I only ever watched the first season. I got distracted. This is when I was in college and, and I was overloaded with work. Uh, but revisiting it, I still feel like the the very first Metallo episode is my favorite episode. Hmm. No, I know. I I have to agree with you. That it was also one of my favorite episodes too. And like I said, it was again wonderful performance by Malcolm McDowell. Really yeah. brought this character to life. I wish I could go back back and revisit the series. Uh, at some point, I will. But sometimes you find yourself overwhelmed with stuff, and it's hard. You can only grab like either a movie or a handful of stuff to watch to revisit and get a general idea. Right. It's like, oh yeah, that's what it was like. And there you go. So I do apologize, everybody. If we were to watch more episodes or get through a whole city, uh, series. There would not be an episode every week. It would be an episode like once a month. And I just that doesn't right. work for me. Right. 
I, I, I will say, I think a close second to the Metallo one was uh, the Mrs. Spitlick one. <laughs> it was, oh, it yeah. was How not, do you say that anyway? Mr. Not only because it was really zany and out there. Mixer, Mixoplitic? Mrs. Spitlick. Mixer Spitlick, I think. I don't know. That's the closest I can come to it. But not only was it just wacky and out there and just, you know, really breaking, you know, the walls of reality in the Superman universe, but it was also voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> and I swear Gilbert played him in the Lois and Clark TV show with Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher. Am I wrong? I don't know, but I'll have to look that up. I mean, who else could be Mitzit Spitlick? <laughs> hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, he had really a is. wild and wacky character in order to pull it off. Oh, of course, yes. And a comedian and with a funny voice like, you know, Gilbert Gottfried. You know what? Right. I, I, uh, I do remember the animated episode with him. I remember being really good. He was always a uh, complicated character because you had to find a new way every single time. It must have been hell for a writer. I was like, oh, shit. All right, what hasn't been done yet? Okay, how else would Superman trick him into saying his name? Sometimes they would show it like in the sky. He'd read it. Oh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, um, an airplane would go by and show it or he'd see it in a mirror image. It would always be some weird way. And you're like, holy shit, how did you think of that? <laughs> I know. It's like you really have to think outside the box to try and get Mr. Spitlick to say his name. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So uh, that is all I, I have to say. Go, you go ahead. If you got more to say about Superman, I'm cool with that because I got nothing else. I really thought, like, Man of Steel, uh, it, like, bring him back, uh, I think, to, like, go back to the beginning of Superman, you know, really change the design around, you know, bring in. Uh, some new ideas to the look and feel of Krypton and the new music score by um, Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, right. Really gave Superman a more of a powerful kind of thing that does kind of like make you, you know, feel goosebumps, kind of like the original did. Yeah, I don't know by John Williams. he died, right? Oh, no, James Horner died. Yes, sadly. <gasps> but also, I mean, the way it, um, the way they portray the Kryptonians is, you know, like, Outlanders kind of almost fascist, like really using up the resources of their planet instead of just, you know, the sun turning red and exploding, you know, which seemed a little bit more, um, bit more, uh, relative, relative to, you know, what we as humans ourselves are doing to our, you know, as far as pollution goes and using up what we have. And yeah, well, Jarrell is a badass in this one, whereas, you know, it's Marlon Brownie's just like, I said my only son. That's the worst. That's more like Abe Vagoda. Um, <laughs> they put some cotton in my mouth. I, I, understand I, I can't do it. I can't do it, Marlon Brenda. Can you? I, I, sent my, I sent my only son. I sent my only son out to another habitable planet where he will not die. He will survive and all people will live on. <laughs> on this yeah, day, no, I loved how... you come to me and ask this favor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Plus, yes, and Russell Crowe really did approach this role very seriously. And even when asked about it on Twitter, it's like, where did you get your training for this particular part? Russell Crowe's response, Krypton. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah I know. Marty, I, oh, I sent my only son to Earth. Oh. Yeah. Plus, it gave a little bit more depth and development to the character of Jarrell. We actually knew what Jarrell was and yeah. like. And... Then, of course, there was the character of Zod, too. You can't help but feel somewhat sympathetic to his movements, although it was extremely fascist and, you know, militaristic and asshole-wise. 
but he was trying to save his people. He wasn't doing that of revenge against Jor-El, no. He just wanted to preserve Krypton. Yeah. And then, of course, Superman's birth being so unique, because he was the first natural birth in hundreds and hundreds of years, which also gave, I think, a, a, oh, of course, which made, oh, damn it, I'm repeating myself. I already <laughs> just said it made Superman more unique. And then, you know, again, with Henry Cavill being cast, you know, he had that perfect look, the chin, the build, everything. He portrayed this character wonderfully. And then, of course, in the end of Man of Steel, when he kills Zod, you know, Superman was never supposed to kill. But I think this is a step. This is I think this is what Zack Snyder actually said. Like, this is a stepping stone to him never to kill again. Because after he killed Zod, you know, he just screamed in that fit of rage and sadness because he can't believe he actually had to kill. He never wanted to. He had no choice. Otherwise, Zod would have killed those people. And enough people have already died. So I think it's definitely giving more of a human touch to um, Superman. Yeah, I don't know. I still am on the wire with this Man of Steel. It's so insanely dark. Um, I believe we have hit the half hour point. So it is time for our sponsor. Just letting you know that recently they discovered a lost recipe by Charles Dickens of all people. And it's cold out there, everybody. Try out his recipe for hot cider. So on a cold day, get a hot Dickens cider. And Hold on a second. Uh, oh, dude! I just did. I just say hot dick insider. I just said again, dick insider. Oh, how do I say this word? Doesn't sound filthy. Dickens cider. Dick insider. No shit. Um, maybe I should stop talking. Yes, you should. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way of saying it. It's, nope. it's already you already went there. I'm gonna have it to went say, there right before you said it. I'm gonna have to say it Charles there. Dickens cider brand. Dick insider. Shit. Uh, I'm gonna stop. Seriously, I gotta stop. We're good. Uh, just drink some good cider. It's yeah, delicious. drink cider happens to be made from an old recipe by Charles Dickens. There. That's how we say it without getting in trouble. Fuck. Oh! All right. <laughs> uh, everybody, check us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes. Uh, Jacob, thank you for carrying this episode. Everybody, if, if you happen to see that I was a little bit um, uh, unattentive at a couple moments, I'm cooking a pizza, and the cheese was boiling over into the heating... Look, it could have started a fire, so I apologize for walking away. It was terrifying, and I didn't want to stop Jacob from talking. So, got it. My bad. Uh, to be quite honest, I can't wait to see what they'll do with the within the next movie, Batman vs Superman, especially with Superman's impact on the world. Yeah, and are, how he actually would be. Are they going to ever bring it back to animation again? Or are they done? Are they just focused solely on the live action? Because that's where the big money is, kids. Yes, I mean they still work on animation. They did that one. Um, called Justice League Gods and Monsters, which was like an alternate universe. True. I think it was by Bruce Tim. Who's kidding? Those guys, like, those two guys, man, really know how to carry this. Even they've been carrying it for 25 years now. The the Warner Brothers guys, period, have done an amazing job. Whereas you look at some of the Marvel animation, you're like, bleh. Disney, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here's what I'll say this about um about the animated movies. Yes, they're really adapting, like, you know, strongly from the comic books. It's where they trump Disney right now, because Disney's just focusing on all the live-action movies. And, but, um, also, that uh, Gods and Monsters uh, was an original idea that he had kicking around for 10 years. And I thought, I mean, I still haven't seen it yet. I've yet to see it, but there's nothing but great reviews. Yeah. I want to see one of two things, and I'll take both. Uh, I want to see a Justice Society of America animated movie or series, 
But I also want to see a version of Justice League when it was kind of like the goofball version after Crisis where everything kind of like, who do we have? We have Batman. We have uh, Shazam. Not Shazam. Um, Captain Marvel. Uh, and then basically it's Blue Beetle, uh, Booster Gold. Uh, I think um, Power Girl was in there. And there's lots of boob jokes and Fire and Ice. There's just all sorts of bonkers weird characters bouncing off each other guy gardner being the worst well he's not a bad warrior but he's a jackass uh one of the worst green lanterns ever when it comes to attitude <laughs> and that bull i never I, I i really got did i ever tell I... you about my roommate brian who uh he looked exactly like guy gardner he had the same skin same uh hair color same bowl cut it was ridiculous oh wow no, I did not. You have to tell me this another time. I will show you a picture. You're like, holy shit, your roommate was Guy Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, oh, yeah, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. That would be some great comedic action right there. Oh, yeah, just those two. And what were they talking about? Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk wanted to do them? Oh, hell yeah. That'd be perfect. I mean, there's already they already have the chemistry. They run Firefly and Serenity. Come on. I say that they should switch the obvious. I think that Alan should play Booster Gold. And I think Nathan should play um, uh, Blue Beetle because Blue Beetle. Uh, Ted Cord, that version of Blue Beetle, there was a period where he wasn't a hero anymore, that he was just kind of resting on his laurels, retired and doing all his like technology work for big bucks, and he had put on a bunch of weight, and then he had to be a hero again, but he couldn't do it as well because he had a beer belly. <laughs> and then eventually as the show progresses you see nathan philly getting back into shape <laughs> yes which he needs oh. to do anyway because nathan is out of shape castle made him soft and then booster gold if i remember correctly he lost all of his money like he had used his future uh, abilities to gain a bunch of cash and then uh you know i guess eventually wore out so he just became like a blue collar <laughs> uh it was more like Booster Blue, where he was just basically a broke working guy just trying to pay the bills as a superhero. <laughs> oh, one more thing. Jeff Johns, he's a creative producer on the DC films. Yeah. So you definitely know they're going to do real good. I mean, he I'm pretty sure visually he and Zack Snyder see eye to eye. Well, Jeff Loeb and... is part of it, too. And Jeff Loeb has played both sides. He's done movies. He's done the comics. And I think he can really help out. Oh, for sure. And also... Oh, shoot. Yeah, Jeff Jones. He was actually, you know who uh, his mentor was? Yeah, who his Richard protege Goddard, was? Right? Yes, exactly. So he definitely has a great way of storytelling. He learned the, from, like, one of the best directors in Hollywood. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just feel like uh, either it's Batman versus Superman is going to be the biggest thing in the world, or a lot of people are just going to be like, oh, well, well, all right. So we'll see what happens. Well, and if you guys are regular listeners, you'll know that me and Jacob do another show together. Well sort of do it I, I share it with other hosts it's called video night where we discuss movies and we are going to discuss batman and superman when it comes out here in a few weeks so if you like you know what we do here check out video night and if you like what we do here and you haven't liked it go to facebook right now what are you doing like uh back in tunes and i want to say this to everybody we broke our records last month i mean we went way above it i have never seen such a huge jump uh, we doubled, literally doubled our numbers. So we had a total of 10 downloads last month. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, we hit uh, over 2,000 downloads last month. And um, I thank you, everybody, Winning. so much for all the love. I know. Great. Winning. Love it. <laughs> oh, one more thing. Uh, Dark Knight's time, it's going to be an 151 minutes. 
Why do people care about that? I don't give a shit how long it is. If the story holds, fine. But if it's too long, I'll exactly. be like, oh, shit, time to look at my watch. And, oh, I want to go. Let's end this. Wrap it up. Yeah, I know. I mean, hey, you know, shoot, people stuck around for The Dark Knight Rises. That was over two, that was like two and a half hours that long. Was, I think Dark Same Knight Rises is severely underrated. Everybody's like, it movie shit. Uh, but I Tom Hardy was the best physical portrayal of Bane I've yes, ever seen. But people think that Bane sounds ridiculous. They mock him all the time. Ah, yes. Oh, you think darkness is your honor? I have I fire in my it. pants, yes. <laughs> you, you came back to die with your city. I wonder if you can pick up the farts when we're talking. I'm, I ripped a couple. I wonder if you can pick that up. People are at home going, did he just toot? Or is there an audio distortion? No, because they definitely would have picked mine up. Mine was a fucking cannon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we've overstayed our welcome, everybody. This is Michael saying, <laughs> be excellent to each other. Jacob, send those boys out. And girls. And whatevers. No. Nah. We just love people. Just shit. Yeah, just shit, I don't know where shit. I was going with that. I sound like a dipshit. Go ahead, Jacob. I'm walking just, away. Shut the fuck up! I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Namaste and good luck, everyone. Have a good night. everybody welcome to back in tunes i'm your host michael this week i have a new guest host avery how's it going it's going good man how's everybody doing oh it's good we are now entering the third year of back in tunes we're almost to 100 episodes and we decided to go big this month a because uh you know you want to celebrate something huge when you get to the numbers that we have so thank you everybody for all the support and the sharing um the fact that we're almost to that monumental three digit number but also we want to be like revved up for Batman versus Superman. So if you've uh, been listening, we've done the Batman animated series. We just did Superman the animated series. And now it's time to finish it off with Batman Beyond. And I figured, you know what? Uh, let's go to the you know my friends and fans. Let's find out what cartoons need to be discussed. And this was your discuss um, the one that you chose. This is yeah. This is probably going to be my favorite one as far as any of the series goes. Um, like all the other ones, like what the Batman is kind of like a homage to uh, the original Adam West. You know, it was action packed. It was comedy. Then you had the uh, darker one, uh, the original Batman animated series, and then even with this spinoff with Batman Beyond, it was I think this even took it to places where the original didn't even take it. And that's that's what I really liked about it. And that's probably why it's my favorite series as well too. It was a fresh new paint on something that not even be touched you know uh, people say batman it's like oh oh that's we we know exactly what that is you know but when you get batman beyond it's like wow this is a little bit better you know it's a new it's a new face a new different spin and that's probably my favorite thing about it well i think it was an uh, a good opening place for people who either were tired of batman like burnt out on him or had never experienced batman i think a lot of people uh, were damaged by Batman and Robin being so insanely awful. So DC and the fans probably wanted to cool it a little bit with the original character. Batman Beyond was just, like you said, a, a fresh coat of paint, a new way to take that universe you love but with a whole different angle. I will definitely have to say, I will definitely say, I mean, it's, it's uh, 
I would say it's for a younger audience, but not when I say young, I'm not like talking the five and the six. I'm saying like, uh, if your dad is going to watch Batman, you know, and you're 17, 18, you're going to be the one that's watched Batman Beyond. And then you guys can actually fight back and forth on saying, oh, well, Batman Beyond does this. Well, Batman does this, you know, but it's really, it, they're equal, but totally different characters. Like both of them have great backstories as well too. This was during the time period where it seems like a lot of those superheroes were getting kind of reconfigured. Uh, Batman Beyond, Spider-Man Unlimited, and I think, wasn't there an X-Men Unlimited where they tried to make it a little fresher? And both of those uh, Marvel cartoons kind of failed. Whereas this one really understood what people love about Batman and it just kind of carried it into a whole new universe instead of just going, hey, this is new, edgy, awesome thing, it's extreme! And people were like, uh, no, no, we reject this. <laughs> I will I will say this. One of the things I do like about Batman Beyond is that it is genuinely edgy without them having to slap the edgy sticker on there. Yeah. It's it's not it, they don't go out their way to make it, you know, really dark or really harsh. It it just is, you know. It's it's just clever writing, good character designs. Um and even with the older villains that were, you know, that you would know in Batman the original series, you would see a version or maybe multiple versions or a spin-off of that villain or and brand new villains as well too. Like you got villains that Batman would have no idea how to deal with, but since it's, we're dealing with Terry McGinnis, you know, he's brand new, he's fresh, he thinks outside the box. I'm not saying Batman does, I'm not saying Bruce Wayne wouldn't, but you're dealing with a whole new angle and, and even with just the, the, like I said, just going back down to the villains, like the villains are pretty much that edge that it really needs. Like even the backstory, the backstory is really dark as well, too, because uh, I think they start off with the first episode with him losing his dad. And when I was a kid, the first time I saw it, I was like, what? This is, <laughs> yeah. this is dark. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Somehow but, I missed. Uh, the whole backstory on that, that Amanda Waller, uh, the head of Checkmate, uh, right? Or is it Suicide Squad? Or is it both? I think it's, uh, it's gonna be for Suicide Squad, I believe. Uh, she was responsible for basically having his, trying to have his parents assassinated. That lady's messed up sometimes. She will go to extreme measures. And no matter how many times you see her portrayed in, like, the comics, the cartoon, or TV show, there's always something just not right with what she chooses. She is... Now, there's the other thing. A lot of people like her. She is a reoccurring character in there. Um, we have we have some of the things that she's done and some of the some of the um, consequences of her actions from previous years. You see those come back to life. Um, the Joker himself, you know, re like it's reinvented throughout. Like there's actually a little game that uh, they they're like a dedicated following. They look like him. They dress like him, but they're not as crazy as him, you know. Yeah. Or they don't they don't understand the Joker's nature. They're they're just crazy for crazy sake. Um, but in actually one of the movies, it was a movie spinoff where they actually had the Joker come back, and with that, they reintroduced Robin, which was only like they only talked about maybe once or twice in the show. But with the movie, they brought him back in, and I'm like, that's. That's great writing. That's that's over the top awesome right Yeah, there. Tim Drake is my favorite Robin. Uh, I could say the word Robin, uh, and it was really great to see him come back. And at the same time, you know, seeing how the balance of how each character changes in the comics and uh, the original Batman series, you have Tim 
and then Dick, who has become uh, Nightwing, and then Batman, that, that trifecta. But then it changes just a bit. It tweaks over to, you know, uh, Terry, Tim, and Bruce, and how they balance out each other in the movie. What One thing I do like about this, here's one thing. Um, with, with, uh, with, with Bruce Wayne, and he takes on Tim, and he takes on Dick, uh, when he takes these two people on, he teaches them but he, he teaches them everything they know, but he doesn't teach them half of what Bruce Wayne knows. Yeah, it's uh, like so a when they... mechanism. Like, uh, it's a, I don't think he chooses it particularly. I think it's just uh, like a subconscious need to, like, if I taught them everything, then I eventually could bite me in the ass. But with Terry, here's the thing. With Terry, you have a, you have a much older, much smarter, much wiser, but a much more fragile mentally, physically... Bruce Wayne here, you know, he's pretty much like, I still want to carry out my job. I want to still have my legacy here, but I, you know, I can't trust uh, Dick or Nightwing's not here or, or whatever reason. So he gives Terry everything, like everything he knows, every little this, that secret, you know, Terry knows. Maybe I would even argue that Terry is probably well more acquainted at the by the time the series is all done. Uh, I would say that Terry would probably know him better than Dick or or um, Tim would because uh, the original Robin he got pissed because it was just like uh, I, I want to be the hero sometimes too, and he left off and became Nightwing. You know, um, but with Terry, it's like almost an equal. Or an equal replacement, and that's one of the things. Yeah, going back to why this is such a great series, that's definitely another reason why, right there. I remember they were talking about doing a live action version of Batman Beyond, and that kind of blew my mind. Seeing like this Blade Runner kind of dystopian future mixed with my favorite comic book characters, and they shut it down. I think because the focus now was on Christopher Nolan's uh, series of you know Dark Knight, and if you were to cast. Batman Beyond, who would you say would be uh, Terry and Bruce? If I were to cast Batman Beyond, um, as far as Bruce goes, oh man, this is this is definitely a good one right here. I have to seriously, let me see. Somebody, what's an older actor that I would like to see Bruce play again? I mean, Clint Eastwood is kind problem. of an obvious, but he's so thin and frail <laughs> that it almost he doesn't have that comic book look. I almost feel like you need to pick a younger actor and then age him up, like someone in their 60s and make him look 80. But I can't. I, I was thinking maybe Bruce Willis, if he actually gave a shit about any of his performances anymore. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> maybe Bruce Willis. I don't. Uh, you know what? Not Bruce Willis. Um, this, this is going to sound odd, uh, but I think if we were to have... Uh, Daniel Craig on a cane, you know, and you gray him up, a, you gray him up a lot because if you see the guy with a full beard, he looks like somebody that's like, I know everything, yeah, you know, I I I, I know how to kick ass, you know. <laughs> so I think I think if we gray him up a little bit, then we definitely have our Batman there. Or if we get, um, who is the guy that plays Thanos? Who is that guy? Oh, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. If, that's it right there. You if know, we get Josh. If we get him to do it, that'd be perfect. <laughs> he almost got cast in Batman versus Superman when they were doing the negotiations before they ever went to Ben Affleck. They went to Josh Brolin, and I've heard different rumors about why, like he didn't agree on how the performance should be done as Bruce, 
or it was like he didn't want to be in the costume the whole time. I, I, they've never really come out with what it is. They're just like, oh, it's an amicable split. You know, we're going to go cast somebody else. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> as far as seeing Terry McGinnis, I, I can't really, I can't really see one of the younger actors pull that off. I think that might be one of the hidden gems that might be out there somewhere. Yeah, like, uh, if, whoever they pick to do that, if they were to do it, it'll be his first major role. He'll be, he'll love it. He'll work at it. He'll have multiple people to to mentor him, talk to him, tutor him. And if, if they did it, it'd be a great franchise to see. It'd be a great. One. They used to do that. They used to cast pretty much unknowns as the hero. That way, you didn't have any like preconceived notions or like any memories of like, oh, I remember from that role. And that way, he could totally become the character in your mind. But now it just seems like they always grab like these people's like, well, he's been on the show for eight years. Everybody loves him. Let's cast him in that. And it's not a failure, but there's something about the disconnect from that's who I believe to be that character instead of like, oh, yeah, he was great in that, too. I remember that. That kind of thing. <laughs> that, it, it, I, I see that because um, here, here's, here's, here's a case in point. With... Uh, with um, let me think. McGuire. Uh, McGuire that plays in Spider-Man. Like, we see him as Spider-Man. I still, like, even though the Spider-Man movies weren't all that great, I still see him as Spider-Man. He was almost perfect, you know. Uh, with Andrew Garfield, it's just like, hey, I can, you you got the shape, you got the, you got the mentality, but I kind of still see, uh, <laughs> I, I, I still see McGuire. I'm so sorry, man, but... <laughs> All right, so with the voice cast, uh, Will Friedel was playing Terry, and uh, mostly people know him from Boy Meets World. I don't really think he did anything outside of this. I can't even recall. Beats me on that one, man. I I, I wouldn't even, like, uh, that's the other thing. Like, with the people that did the voice in this show, um, let me see, because there was someone else that I wanted to pull out as well. Because um, I think it was Kevin. Uh, so I think it was Kevin Conroy that actually came back to do Batman again. Correct. And yeah, Kevin Conroy did Batman. He all like it was almost perfect. It was it was it was literally what you would see. He had the acting. He had the voice. It was spot on. With the uh, with Terry McGinnis, it you still had that younger, that youthful. It was. Um, let me see what, what I'm trying to. There's a word I'm looking for with him, but all of like as far as the voice acting goes, it's actually pretty good. It's pretty spot on. It doesn't try too hard to be something that hey, we're going to attract the kids with this awesome lingo. Even though they're one thing I would like to point out is that some of the dialogue in the show they actually made new little lingos <laughs> for the show because it's it's 2000 and and I think it was 2050 or something like that. And kids were saying yeah. Yeah, 2030. They're, they're saying shway. And I thought that was <laughs> like the funniest thing ever. It's like you're it's, saying shway. It's always but, awkward when they add those. Every time you watch a futuristic movie that has any sort of uh, youth like uh, scope to it, you're always like, okay, here comes the awkward like catchphrase. And it never caught on. And you're like, oh, that, that hurts a little bit. <laughs> It never caught up, but they sometimes it's kind of subtle, and then sometimes they kind of push it in there. And I'm like, "Come on, we know what you got. To do. <laughs> nobody talks. Nobody talks like that." But sometimes when they slip it in, I'm like, "Okay, that's, that's actually pretty nice." I might catch myself saying it one day. 
but I always wonder if they're, they're like sitting in their office calling their kid. Okay, what are all the cool kids saying now? Okay, let's uh, <laughs> modify that a bit for twenty years from now. Thanks, son, and hangs up. <laughs> I, I I couldn't picture them saying anything groovy, and I mean, if you think about the time period that it was in, there weren't really any words that anybody would use. It was right. just mostly just you know. Now nowadays, I mean, there's a billion words that everybody uses uh, that can be exchanged in an outlet way. I mean, <laughs> if somebody from 1930 way. would fast forward to now and listen to us talk, they'd be like, oh, I, I, anybody translate this for me? I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> what is an Instagram? <laughs> yeah. Facebook? What? Um, LOL. I quit. <laughs> Lol? I what did the kids mean? Yeah, I think the key to every... Uh, DC animated series post uh, Batman the animated series is Bruce Tim and Paul Dini. Those guys have been continuously involved in the movies that they've been doing and the animated series, and that's why they work so well. And it feels like Marvel's always chasing them when it comes to the animated scenes. So I guess it's a good trade-off that the live action is working in Marvel's favor because uh, DC's lagging behind on that one. Uh, let me see. My thing, as far as when the with the DC uh, cartoons that are out, um, the ones that have been out, the ones that are in development or on the way coming out, I think those, for some reason, are at a higher caliber. You know, uh, when you as like I, I'm a Marvel fan now. Uh, I, I like Marvel I like a lot more than I like DC. But growing up, Superman was was my thing. Batman was my thing. Batman Beyond was my thing, you know. I, I think it's because at that time it was like this higher caliber thing. And I guess now that they see, hey guys, remember we made Batman the animated series. Guys, we made Superman. Guys, we made Justice League. Remember those? Any cartoon that we make past this point has to be this or better. Yeah. It sets us <laughs> you have to they have to keep it that way or people will be like, you remember when they were good? They suck now. And, and they can't have that. Warner Brothers um, has so much time and money invested in their animation line, and people know that they're going to be good. That's why they continue to sell. As direct-to-video movies are basically becoming unprofitable by every studio, most of them are shuttering their divisions, this is the one line that just keeps going, keeps chugging along, and people keep buying them. And it's worth it. And go back, go back to the movies again. Batman Beyond, I believe, had uh, they had two movies, and one of them was Return of the Joker, and it's it was so well received. Like I remember when they were saying, "Hey, we're going to put this on TV, okay? We're going to put this on TV," and it was an event. They had a marathon leading up to it, and it was well received. It was they released it again, and you had the original, you had an uncut version. And then another thing that they did was um, they took the first couple of episodes and um, the first couple of episodes added a couple extra scenes in there. And then you had the origin story of Batman Beyond. Um, I think that, that was Batman Beyond the movie. So I guess you could kind of say it was two movies, but I'm going to go ahead and just say it was two movies. Yeah. Um, it, because it the way that they sequence your episodes, because the way that it, the first six episodes are set up, it almost played out as a continuation because you watch one episode, you watch another one, and it ends off with to be continued or a cliffhanger, and you have to wait till the next episode to come out before you can actually get the whole story. So that's six episodes that were dedicated to somebody's origin story. 
I think that, that's great. Yeah, that was actually a trend started with G.I. Joe the movie back in 87, is when they didn't think it was going to be profitable in theaters, um, to rewind just a bit and sidestep, uh, there was a very short period of time for about two or three years where animated movies based on uh, cartoons uh, were being put in the theaters and they were making money. And then all of a sudden, Transformers didn't make as much money as they thought they were going to make. GoBots bombed. And then they said, hey, let's take G.I. Joe, let's strip it Monday through Friday, and then after that, we'll release it to video. And that's kind of a, a thing they do here and there. And um, I didn't realize that they showed uh, Return of the Joker on television before video, because I remember there was a big deal about they edited out some stuff, and everybody was demanding <laughs> that there was a director's cut. It finally came out. And, you know, and uh, I had no idea that was shown on television beforehand, which is a good idea if you want to build up hype. Say, hey, you like this? Well, you're going to get an extra long version that's a little bit darker, a little bit more mature on video. Um, another thing, like going back to what you said as well, um, the Transformers, the original Transformers that came out, they also did the same thing where the first couple episodes were like a lead up to your season two and your season three and further on and further on. Like, if you watch the first couple episodes of the original Transformers, it's like a really long movie. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know, maybe maybe I just like it when shows do that because I love Transformers, I love Batman. Yeah, but. and they <laughs> also took that extra step. The post-movie, they jumped, well, actually, no, during the movie, they jumped so far into the future and reconfigure everything, so the focus is no longer on the old cast. You have, you know, Rodimus Prime and all the other guys, but you would have a few characters from the original series scattered in it so that you didn't lose the old fans. And, and Batman Beyond kind of has that mindset. That's, that is one thing. Like I said, but going back to the villains, like, if you don't see that villain, you will see a remake of that villain. Um, a couple people, like, they, didn't, they had Clayface, and then they also had uh, Ink. Ink was pretty much Clayface, but it was it was a woman. It was in the shape of a woman. She was all black, and she, she was much faster. She was much more aggressive. Clayface was a Neanderthal, an yeah, idiot. Yeah. You know, he was just he was just powerful. You know, with Ink, she's running conspiracies. And that's that's actually how she got caught. You know, she's she's working with um, what's the she's working to blow up a plant in the first episode that you see her in. So that uh, the company that Bruce Wayne no longer works for can get a little bit bump in their stock, so they're a little bit more valuable. That's crazy, you know. That's that's thinking outside of the box. I don't think any of the shows even went that far to you say, "Hey, guys, let's let's throw some fraud in there," you know. Yeah. Let's throw some stocks and bonds in there. Well, and I remember Bane in a well, not Bane so much, but the venom that he used would come back. I remember that there was these kids slapping on like. Uh, you know, like those cigarette patches, and, and they would absorb the venom and give them powers. And Mr. Freeze came back. Uh, of course, the Joker came back, but it was just like those little tastes. Like, we're not going to be a full, like, homage show. Like, you remember when we did that? It was just like, <laughs> it, it just like little bits here and there that would continue that world. It was, that was the thing. And they didn't have the Joker in there, but they did have the, your new your new big bad guy that was in there had every, he pulled every string, like going back to the slappers, going up the slappers for Bane's poison, going back to uh, one of my favorite villains like I've ever seen, Shriek. He had like sound waves that he would use. And if you actually go back and watch that episode, um, it was actually, there was actually a fight sequence where 
Batman Beyond and Shriek go into like this warehouse and Shriek uses his power to turn off all the sound and all you hear is like quiet echoes, but the music for the episode is still playing. And I'm like, that's that's really good writing right yeah. there. Um, that the name of the episode is actually called Shriek. Um, so if anybody, go ahead, check that episode out because that's one of the best ones that they have assembled for that one there. Um, I'm trying to find the name of the guy that's pulling all the strings because oh. even he, like from the first time you saw him, you knew something was wrong. He's the one that's uh, in charge of um, Wayne Enterprises after he leaves. Um, Are we talking about Derek Powers? Though. We're talking about Derek Powers. That was the, I knew the Powers was his last <laughs> name. I just couldn't remember. So Derek Powers is the one that's pulling all the strings. Like he's he's like, look, I I am Wayne Enterprises now. You might still be in here, Bruce Wayne, but this is my company. Um, he does just about anything to get him some more money, to get him some more power. Like we're going back to our you know, our initial reason of why people are bad guys and his is just simply for, I want to be more powerful. Yeah. (laughs) He is a more twisted version of Maxwell Lord. Uh, I don't know how far you deep dive into DC Comics, but Maxwell Lord was the head of Justice League during the 80s. And then fast forward 20 years and you find out that he has been slowly manipulating the entire DC universe into his control and uh, ends up killing Blue Beetle and builds these satellites that basically watch everything that Batman actually built. He manipulates almost all of Batman's technology and creates these uh, robots. Like, for life of me, I cannot remember the robots that he used. Um, they start assassinating people like crazy. And though Derek Powers and Maxwell Lord seem like two sides of the same coin. And it, it's interesting if you bounce it out with the comic book universe to the animated world. You know what? I have never... I won't, I've never seen it like that. And now that you say that, now I'm going to have to go back and check out the original Justice League. And speaking of the uh, Justice League, uh, during this time where, where Batman Beyond's going on, you would think that the Justice League isn't a thing where in one of the episodes, there was like a flashback episode, I believe it was in Justice League, the actual show, where they had Batman Beyond come back and then you saw old static you saw old static shock he was he had gray dreads um you had superman um and and i was just like you're not gonna let that character go even like justice league came out several years after batman beyond but they still was like hey guys remember that one character we had that was really cool we're gonna break him back you know he's gonna come back from time (laughs) to time you know the comic book i think outlasted the animated series and every once in a while you'll see like some sort of special from them but it does seem like something that as we're going into uh late 90s um nostalgia that i feel like batman beyond is just around the corner from getting another animated series or finally getting um, a live action movie this is something that won't die and i think it leads back to the very first episode uh avery i have to ask you real quick how old are you i'm 23 23 i'm actually actually 24 later this month Okay, so you were about seven or eight when Batman Beyond premiered? Uh, yeah, just about. Do you remember the night that it premiered that there was this big war between, uh, back when it was called the WB Kids, uh, before it was CW, <laughs> there was the, the WB and UPN, and they combined it to the CW. But WB was pushing Batman Beyond so hard 
but on Fox at the same exact time, same night, they were pushing the premiere of the PJs, which Eddie Murphy wrote, produced, and did voice work on. And I remember being like torn. I was like, what the hell do I do? I was like, oh, that's right. I, I have a VCR. I can just tape one and watch the other. But I wonder how many people chose PJs or how many went with Batman Beyond. And clearly, Alex. both lasted <laughs> about the same amount of time. And I, and But obviously, there's not much nostalgia, nostalgia for PJs. But Batman Beyond is something that just won't be let go. Uh, even, even with... Uh... What was it? Arkham Knight. When they come out with uh, Arkham Knight, if you get the DLC for it, uh, you get the season pass, one of the outfits for you is Batman Beyond. The the exact cut and everything. There's no cape. You get his signature red bat, his uh, really tall pointy ears, and you know that's Batman Beyond right there. That's yeah. nobody else. It's <laughs> such a simple, clean, iconic look. A lot of futuristic stuff, especially during the 90s, was about excess. We're talking the age where everybody had to have cable-style pouches and, you know, tons of shoulder pads and huge guns. And these guys knew that that wave was ending and said, hey, let's create something that you can easily see. Anybody from any country, any age will recognize this look. And it, it's separate enough from Batman, but still somewhat slightly connected. So you know that it is part of that universe, but it's its own thing. He's his design. Uh, go back to his design. It's memorable. It's it's sleek. It's it's a uh, you when you get superheroes, you see them big. You see them bulky. You see them colorful, right? Yeah. With with Batman, he's like a shadow. You know, like with Batman Beyond, it, he's like a fast, quick little thin shadow. And the only thing that stands out on his uniform is that red bat, which covers a good portion of his chest. Um, that that And anytime he's in one of his vehicles, you know, you get to see that really awesome black and red glow. And you see that bat just in the background, just playing on it. I'm like, that is a really good design. <laughs> it's, it's very futuristic. And my, I think the key thing that I liked about it is that his background is very simple. He's a, he's a high school student. He's not the most popular guy. He's not the coolest guy. He's just a regular high school student. Looks like any other regular high school student. But he's Batman. <laughs> so I guess that way, in that way that anybody, like I could be Batman, you could be Batman, anybody could be Batman. Yeah, the way to get into any great superhero is either uh, they're above us in like a god, god way, which I've never connected to those heroes. I've never connected to Superman Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Submariner, you know, Thor, you know, those kind of guys. I like the everyman. Whether or not he's rich or not is irrelevant. If you can write the character in a way that everybody can connect to, you know, have some sort of focus that people get, oh, yeah, I would do that too. That's why I think Batman is so popular because how many people haven't been in a dark situation and they want some vengeance? True, his is like extreme vengeance. His is a life of justice. Um, so that's usually beyond what normal people do. But that's what connects yeah. us to him. That's why we like Punisher, too. <laughs> Maybe because I think if we were placed, like, you know, if you get your normal person and you were placed in such a predicament where you lose somebody that you love, that you would do anything to prevent that from happening to the next guy or the next guy. Um, and that's actually one of the things I did like because with, with uh, Batman, with Bruce, he was cold, calculating vengeance. That's it. You know, uh, you you rescue somebody, you rescue a cat from a tree, you drop the cat, you run off. Yeah, that's it. He's not he's not a people's person. With with 
uh, Terry McGinnis, it's more like this. He's still, it's still vengeance. It's still vengeance. It's still there, but it's a more, it's caring. You know, it's almost, <laughs> it's almost, uh, almost patriotic in a sense that I see you having some trouble. I'm going to come through as fast as I can. I'm going to save you. You can thank me. I don't need your thanks, but I will take off now. You know? Yeah. Well, I think, I, I think the problem is, is that Bruce was, pre well, he was pretending, it was Batman pretending to be Bruce. He lost himself <laughs> so long ago that he's pretending to be Bruce. Whereas Terry was always himself just in the Batman costume. Yeah. I, I, that's something I, I guess that's one thing that when you look at Bruce, it's not, you're not looking at Bruce. Uh, one of the things that they even said in that show was that uh, <laughs> Batman, uh, Bruce was saying, hey, I was hearing voices in my head, but I knew they weren't my voices. And Terry asked why. He was like, because I don't call myself Bruce. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a solid, that's an honest moment, too, for him to admit to that. It's like, I don't call myself Bruce. <laughs> I call myself Batman. <laughs> That is, uh, that was a really nice touch right there, too. I really did like, and that—that's actually the uh, Shriek episode as well, too. The uh, the one major thing that that is inspiring about Batman in such a dark world, especially right now, where it seems like everybody's blowing each other's brains out for whatever reason, you know, his rules are basically no guns, no killing, and there are moments though where you start going. Look, the Joker has killed roughly 3,000 people. You keep putting them away. At some point, you might want to break your rule. I get it. Killing can be a long streak downhill where you do become basically the Punisher or the Huntress, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, seriously, at this point, come on. The Joker, he's wiped out entire cities at the, you know, with that kind of numbers. Do you ever wonder whether or not he should kill off some of these major villains that just keep going and going and going? Wait, okay, so I will do this. I'll do I'll do a quick comparison. With Batman, uh, Batman will take these people, Cecilia Lewis, by that very strict code of don't kill this person, don't kill this person, don't kill this person, lock them up, because, you know, I lost my parents, you know, killing is wrong no matter what. Um, Batman should probably kill off some of his villains. <laughs> Batman should probably kill off most of his villains. Um, or at least... You know, to an extent, like Mister Freeze. That's a that's a tragic story, right? Yeah. Now. Well, and you the take, loss of Two take... Face. The loss of Two Face, yeah. who was his friend. It's a mental disorder. I guess you could say the same thing about Joker, but he's so far beyond redemption. It's, it's done. It's done. With with Mister with, with Mister Freeze, I guess what Bruce Wayne could do is like, look, bro, let me help you out. Okay, let me help you. Okay, instead of instead of us fighting, let me help you. I know what you want, and it's very simple, all right? So they, that could be something that he'd come to. You have to kill off the Joker. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, I mean, he's, he's beyond that point. Um, Two-Face might be beyond that point of redemption because you have to realize, first, oh, you know, very well-known politician, now literally a mob boss. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I don't think, I think he might be past the point of redemption. With Batman Beyond, however, it goes back to... Um, it goes back to that uh, that uh, having drawn inspiration from other villains where you get to see these people, but you don't actually get to kill that villain. Uh, you don't get to kill off Clayface. You get to kill Ingolf. You get to kill off um, the guy that's making the slappers. Uh, Batman, uh, Terry McGinnis has taken out most of his, um, most of his uh, villains. And a lot of the episodes... You will see that villain in one episode, and that's it. You will never see him again. 
<laughs> I think that's what makes comic books so stagnant and why I keep losing my interest is because, A, it's fanboys who demand these people come back. They die. Oh, I miss them. Bring them back. I can't read comics. This new guy sucks. And that's I a bloody shit. It kills the creativity of comic books. With movies and animated series, they are not beholden to those rules. They know that at best they'll last 100 episodes. There'll be some reconfiguration along the way. And the movies, you're basically one and done, so you can kill off the villain. Whereas comic books, is just constantly, oh my god, seriously, again? Every time they think, they, oh, how many times have they killed Cyclops and X-Men? Just get it done already! <laughs> okay, I will, I will do this. In, in that response, I will say this. Uh, if you kill off somebody in a comic book, make sure they're, you know, stay dead. I mean, because there's enough spinoffs for everything. I mean, Marvel has multiple universes with the same hero, but a different backstory. Yeah. I think if, if he, uh, if you have somebody that dies off in the main one, let them stay dead in the main one. Bring it back in the, the parallel one. <laughs> I like the um, legacy idea. I like the characters that will pass it on to the next person. The way that, um... Uh, Jay Ward led to Barry Allen, led to Wally West, and then to Bart Allen. I like that idea, and then they negated all of it by bringing Barry Allen back. You're like, death means nothing. Nothing means anything if you're going to constantly. It, it doesn't mean anything. Back. Take it, take it all away. We've learned nothing, and then we have to start right back at square one. Yeah. If you, I think the biggest thing that you could do in a comic book is not have you know one of the biggest things you could do in a comic book is kill somebody off. That's it. Like that's the end all be all. <laughs> Like, you can't have them, oh, I'll go away for a little, you know, I'll go away for a couple episodes or so, and then come right back. That's, we're going to be asking, where are you the entire time? You yeah. kill somebody, oh, we know where you are. You're dead. You somehow, know, and you're going to have. Yeah, only Josh <laughs> has got away with that. Josh Whedon somehow finds a way of killing people off, bringing them back, and you're like, yeah, I don't care. That's fine. That's, we're good with that. <laughs> I, th I think the only person that I'm actually okay with, because it's my favorite villain of all time, uh, Dr. Drew. Okay, because Doctor Doom has literally been to hell and back. Doctor Doom has literally died yeah. and came back. Um, and right now, uh, the way that Marvel set up, Doctor Doom is probably one of the most powerful people there, and nobody's even recognizing him. Nice. But I, I mean, back into Marvel. I've been I've been hooked on DC now for a while. I, I started off as a Marvel kid, and then discovered DC like in the late '90s when I started getting like I think their story's a little bit richer with the history, and I kind of dig that. Uh, Marvel seems more about like Flash and now, and then um, I'm slowly coming back to Marvel. I had to uh, I had to rework myself back into uh, DC because um, when they when they reissued the uh, New Fifty Two, that's when I got back into it. Uh, I was reading them religiously as much as I would read the uh, Marvel, and I was like, okay, so you guys got my attention. <laughs> um, I still don't really have favorites. Uh, I still just read them all as general. Um, if I did have to stop and pick one, I would say probably the best thing that they did was they made Aquaman actually viable. <laughs> I have to go and read that. Where did you, what what series did you find that made him like amazing? Because I've seen like little arcs that are interesting that uh, like uh -huh. David wrote, but I never really been to get get into them. You have to, okay so. If you start from the very first one in the New 52 and work your way there and just read, you know, just your essential Aquaman, uh, they actually made him like, oh, okay, so not only does he can Because everybody says, oh, Aquaman only has one power and that's control fish. No, Aquaman pretty much becomes Poseidon. <laughs> nice. Uh, 
And I'm like, okay, so now, you know, control over an entire element and all the species, you're pretty much king of something, you know. That's respectful. I like that. Uh, instead of him just going around riding a seahorse talking fish. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, if you watch any Aqua Friend or, uh, sorry, oh, Super my. Friends cartoon, that is all he did was just glub, 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 ride a seahorse, and everybody's just like, <laughs> don't sit next to Aquaman. He smells kind of weird. And you know what sucks about that? We, we go back, and if we go back and watch those, his nemesis, Black Manta, it's there, and it's like, wow, Black Manta is a whole lot cooler than Aquaman is. Um, and even in New 52, he actually, Black Manta actually has his own section. He's his own person yeah. in the New 52, and I love that. Uh, he That's probably my favorite villain in uh, DC, uh, Black Manta, but oh um, man, they actually, like, they actually made sense of stories they got rid of some things they brought some things in and uh they actually have some um a couple of shout outs to batman beyond in new 52 as well i think i'm not even sure but i think he might actually have his own little quick series in there as well you know what this makes me realize i think that this was an excellent episode avery i thank you very much for being a guest on this um, I want to tell everybody right now that we're launching yet another podcast. I think I might have an addiction. This is literally the fifth like uh, constant running podcast we're going to launch. It's called Comics on Infinite Earths. The first episode comes out tomorrow. And Avery, I think that you would be perfect to be on that show. Uh, basically, what we do is we pick huge events in comic books and discuss them. Like We're going to start with Crisis on Infinite Earths. We'll talk about Secret Wars and stuff like that. And if you're interested, <laughs> man, we'll, we'll pick a story, we'll both read it, we'll make notes, and then we'll discuss it. Okay, if you're going to get me in, get me in on Secret Wars. Because okay. that, that, that's mine. That's, that's my understanding right there. That is, that is the extent of all my comic book knowledge right there. If somebody, <laughs> if somebody wants it, you better not misquote Secret now, Wars. <laughs> now, I want to make sure we... There have been apparently three different Secret Wars. There was uh, the one in 1984 that launched Spider-Man's black costume. Is that the one we're talking yes. about? Okay. We could do, yeah, that would be the one. That will definitely be the one right there. Apparently there was a Secret Wars 2, and I remember there was some, one called Secret War around 2004, so it's a little confusing. DC there. Is, is worse with their reboots and reconfigurations. <laughs> Marvel isn't too bad, so that's I'll give them credit for that. They're trying to, I think right now, we're actually, like, they're actually doing AC Wars as well right now, too. Um, because, uh, like I said, going back to Dr. Doom, he's not a bad guy anymore. He's more neutral. Nice. Um, but he's a godlike figure. <laughs> and um, he was he was always kind of like that godlike figure. But that might be a story for another day. <laughs> All right, everybody. Check us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes. And, um, Avery, I would love to have you back on whatever show that interests you. And um, do you have anything to plug? I don't know if you do. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily do, no. But uh, I would love to come back anytime you want me on the show. I will be here, man. All, All right. right. I think this third year is starting off great. And, everybody, um, if you want to suggest any cartoons, put it on the page or direct message us direct, uh, you know, whatever. And, I, you know, if you want a guest on the show, I'm cool with that, too. I don't know why I'm getting so tongue-tied. I think I'm just getting tired. Time to go drinking! <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, everybody, be excellent to each other. And, Avery, you want to sign off? All right, guys, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Um, I, Michael, since the first time I saw you post the link, I listened to it. 
I might not comment all the time. I might not like it all the time, but I will always be listening to it. And I love this. I love this a lot, man. Yeah, and I want to add on one real quick thing. Uh, I apologize if there were some audio problems from episodes here and there. Uh, I know that I'm entering the third year and I'm still trying to figure it out. I didn't know that one of my microphones was fried. Here's the reason. I'm so insecure that I can't even listen to my own voice. I ha- I <laughs> rarely ever listen to these episodes. I will have someone else listen to it, and they go, the sound's kind of low, and I go, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> okay, so if you need it, if you need some help, I'm definitely there for you. Okay. I don't mind. Cool. I do sound engineering on the side when I'm not doing this. If All I'm right. not at work, if I'm not fighting people over comics, this is what I'm doing. All right? <laughs> okay, everybody. Have a good night. Good night, guys.